The last time I, I spoke, I walked in with all of these books, and I didn't think about it, because I always just think about this giant table, and I get up there, and there's no room for all of my books. <laughs> and I'm having to like shuffle through all my little things, so it's so nice to have this beautiful table. It's so nice to be here. Um, I, I'm going to kind of be all over the place. Because I'm a mother of four, and so we're all a little scatterbrained, you know. Every time you have a kid, I feel like they take a piece of your brain away with them. And so you kind of got your pieces of the puzzle here, there, and everywhere. So bear with me. I hope you guys can all follow along, but we're going to have fun together today. How's that sound? Okay, so first I'm going to start with a testimony. Um, for those of you who don't know, I help lead our school of ministry, KSSM. Um, and it is one of the biggest pleasures I have is watching our students just grow and risk and see God show up again and again and again and again. Um, I love it so much. So a couple weeks ago, we did a practice of prophesying your year. So at the beginning of the year, I usually just get a word for the, hold on just one second. Yes. We'll get your french fries after school. Go see your father. Yes! <laughs> I said after school. Um, <laughs> Sunday school. Okay, so where was I? Prophesying your year. So normally I do like a word for the year. You know, I get one word, and then that's my focus word for the year with me and Jesus. But this year, um, we walk through the practice of prophesying your year. So going through month by month, God, what are you going to be doing in January? What is the sign that it's coming? Who's going to be involved? How is it going to come? Things like that. Then you do it for February, March, April, May. So my January one, and I'll preface this by saying that it's not to chase signs and wonders. It's just to have fun with Jesus, right? So my January sign that the thing was coming, my thing for January is a roadmap or a plan is coming in January. And my sign from Jesus was a Bucky's sign. And Bucky's is like a Texas um, gas station. And it's going to come. And when I wrote down, I said, when is it going to come? And it's going to come the third week. So this is the third week of January, guys. But I'm thinking, I'm not going to be in Texas the third week of January. So how on earth am I going to see a Bucky's sign? But I know Jesus is fun like that, so I was like, whatever, I'll just keep my eyes out. I'll look for it. Last night, I'm watching a Texas game, or like a wardens, you know, like the, the officers that go after the poachers and things like that. I'm not even thinking about the fact that it's in Texas until like the fourth episode, and they're driving around, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to watch for a Bucky sign on the side of the road. Like, this is it. This is happening. So they're driving around the highway, and I'm not even paying attention to the storyline. I don't know who's getting arrested. I don't know anything. All I know is I am watching for Bucky's. At the very end of this episode, I see no signs. They're all done on the highway. That storyline's done, and now they're just hanging out by the ocean trying to catch people who are fishing illegally, blah, blah, blah. And they open up this ice chest, and in the ice chest is a bag of ice that has the Bucky sign on it. Isn't that crazy? I'm like laying in bed. It's 11.30 at night. For those of you who don't know, I'm a night owl. So it's 11.30 and I'm like, 
I, and Brian's like, what, what, what is going on? And I like literally, I couldn't even speak for like a couple minutes and I'm like trying to explain faster than my words will allow. And oh my gosh, I just love Jesus. Like that's just so wild that it would just be in my TV show. And so now I'm waiting this week, it's coming. I've seen the sign. And so I'm waiting for the roadmap and the plan. Okay, so before I, I'm gonna kind of do a couple things. Like I said, I'm gonna be all over the place today. Um, I'm going to start with a sort of prophetic word slash, slash activation over our body. Is that, is that okay with everybody? Who wants to be activated today? Yes. I love it. I love a little more excitement. Who wants to be activated today? Yes. Because I still have that camp director, still it's deep down in there. And so, you know, when you hear the, who's ready for a game? And the audience goes, yeah. You always have to go, who's ready for a game? Again and again until they get louder and louder and then you're deaf. Um, so, um, for the, I have been out of the country for a couple of years. And during that time, I have been processing a lot with the Lord because uh, so much has been in the unknown. And I like a plan. I like to know where I'm going. I like a calendar. I love all of those things. And it's been a struggle for me to lean in for the day-to-day with Jesus versus just knowing my month ahead of time, if that makes sense. But it's been so good because I've gotten to know the heart of the Father so well um, that it's just been totally worth it. So one thing that I've been processing with the Lord while I've been out of the country, and one thing that he's shown me is how unique and powerful this is. This body, our church, our people. Oh, good Lord. Go find your father. (laughs) Um, Isn't Moses awesome? He's great. (laughs) Uh, So you don't know that you have a good thing until you don't have the good thing. Until you're kind of away from that really good thing. And I think I took our church for granted for a long time because this is just normal. This is normal to me, to have mothers and fathers always around me, to um, have the freedom to minister and to move, um, to be in a room where everybody's kind of empowering everybody, to be in a place where it is a family and you're welcomed into that family when you come in, when you you don't realize it because it's normal until you walk into a place that that's not normal. Um, I also noticed like how freely the spirit moves here. And I'm telling you guys this because I want you to catch on to the fact that this does not happen everywhere. The, the Holy Spirit comes and moves in power and in such a tangible way in this place that when I was in the States, I'm like hungry for it, you know? Like, I want to go to a place and that, you know, I want to walk in and feel it. <laughs> I want to feel family. And what I, what I notice in the States a lot is 
we, we went to a couple churches. We tried it out because, you know, we've got to be good Christians. Got to go to church. Got to connect to a community. And um, though I was streaming online, I was still like, by the way, hello, online people. I love you. I am one of you. Hi. Um, though I was connecting online, I feel like, still felt like, oh, we got to, you know, we got to go, you know, be a powerful per- person wherever we are. You know, connect to a community. How can we, you know. But my goodness. Everywhere I went, it felt like a production. Like the church had figured out how to do a concert. And, you know, like, I don't know if that makes sense. But, you know, it, doesn't, it didn't feel like authentic. Let's come together as a community and find the heart of Jesus and connect to the heart of Jesus. It felt like, come and get your check done for the week. And we'll do it in the glitziest, most glamorous manner. And have you seen our wonderful graphics over here? And the light shows happening during worship. And we, you know, we got all the things. Head down the road to the children's ministry. And it's a lot. And it seems exciting. And first, when you walk in, it's cool. Whoa, you know. But you walk away feeling empty and not full. And I don't say that in any way a judgment towards anybody that goes to. You know, everybody needs a certain level along their journey. Um, Another thing that I noticed that we as a body do so well is I would go into a couple of places and I noticed there are no, and I I don't want to say this in a way that you think that I'm like on a feminist rant because we are not of the feminist movement at all. But it is important to see mothers not just fathers. It is important to see mothers ministering, leading, empowering outside of just children's ministry. And I would go into these places and I I look at the, (laughs) it's so horrible of me, but I am a certain someone's daughter. Um, You guys may know him. Um, I would go into places and I'm reading the, you know, the, the little bulletins or whatever and they got like our church leadership and I'm like, There's got to be more pages, because where are the women? Where are the ladies? Oh, there's one, secretary. Okay. You know what I mean? And again, I don't mean to knock it, but that's where Jesus showed me the uniqueness of what we carry here. How are we more progressive in this room? And it's because of the unique connection to the heart and the family of heaven. And the kingdom values that we carry where God said we work and we operate as a family. Every member is important. Every member has a place. You know that I get to come up here and speak? Like, that's just awesome. The fact that we get to see, you know, like Liz come up here and speak, and my mom, like, along with our fathers, there's a uniqueness that I want you guys to grab onto and cherish because, again, you don't get it everywhere. Um, So now I'm going to move into the prophetic word that I have um, and a little bit of an activation because I'm a teacher, so I like practical. You got to have the hands on. You got to learn. 
This last week, my husband went on a very last minute, like the morning of, hey, we're going, like throw stuff in the bag, and he's off for a couple days. And I love my children. I'm going to preface, I love them. I love them a lot. But my goodness, when their father leaves the home, I swear it is like they become completely different human beings. And I'm like, who are you? And where did my child go? Um, and it's just so funny. And I'm like, again, processing it with the Lord. Like, what on earth? Like, <laughs> he's only been gone for a couple of hours. And I, I feel like I'm pretty, you know, I'm pretty firm. Again, I'm the daughter of you-know-who. And so <laughs> I got that stern... I got that in me. And so I'm like, it's not that they're not, you know, they're getting the discipline, they're getting, what what is happening? And I feel like Jesus kind of showed me this picture of the importance of fathers in the lives of children. And again, I say this knowing that that all families look different. This is in no way a judgment towards what, what your family looks like or who's, you know, anywhere. But uh, I'm going to speak now towards fathers and mothers in a spiritual sense, okay? So not just a father and mother in a home, but spiritual mothers and fathers in our church community. So fathers play an important role. And the picture that I saw when I saw my kids, it was almost like they had unraveled. It was like the structure that held who they were in place kind of like went like this. It pulled away from them, and so then they kind of like turned into mush along with the structure that had pulled, if that makes sense. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's what, that's the power and that's the importance of fathers in our community. Fathers speak and create identity. The men in the room, whether you have physical babies, doesn't matter how old or how young you are, whether you've had children that are, are now grown and now you've got grandbabies running around, every man in this room is a father. You're called to speak identity and create identity for the people in this room, for the communities that you live in, for the people that live in your home. You are a physical embodiment of the structure that God creates for us. And your role is vital. Because without fathers, children have no idea what to do with themselves. (laughs) Without fathers, their stability their presence. Children kind of like, oh, uh, I don't know. They become aimless. I mean, we see it in society all around. A major identity crisis is happening all over the world because we need fathers to step into their place. We need fathers to stand in their calling because we are called to be mothers and fathers. So fathers, we need you to stand up and speak to our young people, to empower them, to encourage them, to call forth identity. But we also need mothers as well. Mamas. Oh, I love the mamas. I'm a mama, so I'm partial. But mamas cultivate identity. We nurture. 
We help guide. We help reinforce what the Father says. That's one of my greatest things. I love prophesying over people. And the, the best thing about having students in KSSM is I get a prophetic word or I hear what the Father is saying over that person. And then throughout the year, I get to remind them over and over and over again, no, no, you're not powerless. No, no, you're not. Don't tell me you can't because the Father said you could. Don't tell me you're not because the Father said you are. That's what mothers get to do. And again, in this room, whether you have physical babies or not, doesn't matter how old or how young you are, we have a calling as mamas to mother our community. And mother is such an important and powerful word because life throws lots of lemons. Right? And sometimes people just need a hug. And they need a kiss on the knee. And they need to be taught how to make lemonade. Or lemon bars, whatever the, chi- whatever the person needs. And so what I want to do right now is, I just want to spend some time, and I'm going to pray over the fathers, and then we're going to pray over the mothers. Because what I see over this body, this family, we are a family of fathers and mothers. Like I said, this, this house is unique. Our family, our church family is unique. And it is powerful, more powerful than I think sometimes we recognize or remember because again it's normal you think this is normal this is this happening everywhere everybody has this nope not everybody has it but this is what everybody hungers for and so this is what you can carry out into the community that needs you they need what 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 you carry they need who you are they need what God has put inside of you, and they need you to start rising up and walking in the calling that God has created you for to mother and father the community inside this house and outside. Amen? And so what I want to do is I want to have all the fathers, so if you are a man, you are a father. Whether you have a child or not, again, I'm speaking in the spiritual sense, so all the men, please stand up. And I would like all the ladies, all the mamas in the room, to come behind a father, wherever you are. Make sure every father has a hand. Yeah, you, sitting down. You're a father, too. All right, let's make sure every father has a hand on them, even in the back. Makas and Erickson, I'm, I'm extending my hand towards you. Actually, let's have Erickson, you come up here. I want you to come up here, please. (laughs) Brian, you come up here too, please. Please. All right, I'm going to start praying and releasing over the fathers, but I want you guys, you, um, whoever, all the mamas, I'll say, I want you guys to start praying as well. You don't have to be quiet just because I'm talking, but I just want you to pray and, God, we just release courage over these fathers right now. God, we just release that Joshua, 
be strong and courageous right now in your communities, God, that you would just begin to fill their hearts and their minds up with the identity that you have called forth from heaven over them, but also fill them up with anybody they come into contact with, that they would be able to see your heart and your identity over the people that they come into contact with. God, give them incredible words of knowledge, Jesus. Give them the ability to be able to speak forth identity in a way that the person can receive it, Jesus. God, we just release um, a power behind their words, God, that you would fill every, every breath that comes out of them, God, you would fill it with the fire of heaven. And God, that you would come behind it with the sword that can pierce through the bone and the marrow and get straight to the heart of every individual, God. We just release crazy revival beginning to spread throughout this community, God, throughout the communities that each that we all spread to, Jesus, that we would begin to see children, sons and daughters rising up and stepping into who they were created to be because the fathers spoke to them, because the fathers looked at them and said, no, you're worthy, no, you're, you deserve to be loved, you deserve this. God, we just, we just, we speak that. We, we are so excited to receive and to see the miracles and the testimonies that's going to come out of this moment, God. We just thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. And now, mamas, please stay standing if you are a lady, if you are a beautiful woman of the Lord. Please stay standing. Yes. No, go find your father. Um. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right, so, gentlemen. You know the deal. So fathers, stand behind the mamas. Make sure every mama is covered. Every mama has a hand on her. Every lady in the room is covered. Because we were created to work together. Amen? Mothers and fathers were created to operate and move together. And again, I know where this kind of can get tricky because there's physical mothers and fathers, but spiritual mothers and fathers, we're designed to live under a covering. And fathers, you are the covering that, are, that we operate in. You create a safety, you create an empowering atmosphere that allows us to be who we were created to be. You protect and you create an atmosphere of protection that lets us know, okay, it's okay to move. It's okay to be, it's okay to, you know, whatever. You, you do that for us. So it's really important and it's vital that this picture of you standing over the women of this house and putting your arm on them, that you are creating a physical picture of what is happening in the spirit. Jesus, we just thank you for the mamas. We thank you for the nurturing kindness that you have filled us with, God. We thank you for the tenacity that you have equipped us with, God. We thank you for the words, God, that are going to come out of this room. God, we just thank you for the nurturing that's coming out of this room. I feel like there are seeds out there that have been dead and dry for so long. And because of the prayers that are being prayed over today, your, your impact and your words are going to bring to life those seeds to begin to grow and thrive 
It doesn't matter how many years. I feel like there are old ladies that are going to be stepping into being daughters again because of the prayers and because of your encouragement and because of your testimonies coming out of this room today. God, we thank you so much for the vision that you are giving the mothers in this room. God, we thank you that you are giving them visions of sons and daughters. You are showing them how they are going to live and how they're going to grow and how they're going to move. God, and we just thank you that you are going to give courage and power behind the words of the mamas in this room to be able to speak to sons and daughters and say, yes, this is going to happen. You are going to do this. This will come to pass. You will not be afraid. You will not, like, there's no darkness that's covering you. God, I just, I feel like you are equipping and empowering a generation. And you are filling the rooms that you step into with the comfort and the blessing of the Holy Spirit. Every room you step into, you are filling it with the hug and the big, warm, papa bear arms of the Holy Spirit, Father God, and Jesus. That's what you're carrying into atmospheres. You are never walking into a room alone. Every room you walk into, you have the words to speak, you have the knowledge, you have the wisdom, you have everything that you need to shift the atmosphere, and to raise up a son and a daughter. Never doubt. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know it's good when you're getting sweaty. Hello. I'm, I'm trying to teach. I understand you want french fries, and they will come to pass. It will happen in the name of Jesus, but it's not going to happen right now. Go find your father. <laughs> okay. Now I just have a quick little tidbit from my week. I try, I'm, I'm the quiet one in my family, usually. I know, it's, that used to be my story, but I don't think it is anymore, because now I'm a big old chatterbox, and sometimes you have to kick me off the stage, like, your time is up, get out of here. Um, so... This week, um, I have been trying my best this year. Well, starting in September of last year, I've been trying really hard um, to get through the Bible in a year. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it by September, but I am going to plug away at it. Even if it takes me a year and a half or two years, I'm going to get through the whole Bible, okay? So I have a little, like, um, we have a, a, like a reading plan for KSSM, and I've got my little one, and see, this, I'm just, I'm up here, okay, not down here yet, but it's going to happen, um, so, you know, throughout the week, I'm, I, like, right now, I'm going through Psalms, and Genesis, and Romans, and Matthew, just, like, little by little, you read bits and pieces here and there, and it's actually really fun to kind of be all over the Bible, um, versus how I've tried in the past, which is starting at the beginning and trying to make it to the end because you get to like Leviticus and you're like, I don't know. <laughs> Lord, I love your word, but good Lord, Leviticus is, is a tricky one. Um, so I have been going through this and I recently went, was reading in, Je in Joshua. And I know for church we're going through Judges, but today we're going to step into Joshua for a little bit and remember where we started before, you know, Israel, you know, lost its mind and was like, we need Judges and we need a king and, you know. So, who loves these Israelites? Aren't the Israelites great? 
they just, they, they know all about life, don't they, these Israelites? Um, they're funny because we read the story and, you know, Jesus breaks them out of, you know, they cry and they're in slavery in Egypt and they're like, Lord, will you save us? And Jesus, or God comes in and says, yes, I will save you. Come on, let's go, let's get out of here. He gets them out of Egypt and then they're like, I don't know about this. I think we were better off in Egypt. And then they, then they have to wander around the desert for 40 years because they were complaining and, you know, they don't... I, you know, we read this story and sometimes it's like, flipping Israelites, like, get it together, people. Like, you just walked across a flipping ocean. And you're complaining? And you think God's not going to show up? I mean, he's raining down food from heaven for you. And you're still doubting that he's going to give you your promised land? But the more and more I read the Israelites, the more and more I realize that I'm like the Israelites. So I've kind of, I've tried to stop being so judgy, judgy towards the Israelites because I realize I do the same thing. A miracle happened last week and this week I'm like, oh Lord, will it happen? I don't know. Oh, I don't have the money for that bill. I don't know. I've never seen you come through before. You know, like we, we all do it. And so... Um, I'm going to be sassy towards the Israelites today, but again, I'm being sassy towards myself because we all have a little bit of Israelite in us. Amen? So at this point, we are going to go to Joshua 18. And up until now, so the Israelites have been broken out of Egypt. They've crossed the Red Sea. They've wandered around in the desert for 40 years. And then they finally get the call, it's time to go and get your promised land. They've crossed, again, another miracle crossing across the Jordan River. They have fought and conquered the land, their promised land. They're in it. They've done it. Woo! We did it. We made it. And then this. So chapter 18, verse 1, it says, The entire Israelite community assembled at Shiloh and set up the tent of meeting there. The land had been subdued before them, but seven tribes among the Israelites were left who had not divided up their inheritance. So Joshua asked the Israelites, how long will you delay going out to take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestor gave, uh, ancestors, gave you? I'm reading this the other day, and I'm like, what now? They, okay, so <laughs> we've, we've infiltrated. We've crossed the Jordan, and now we're in the Promised Land. We've just spent however much time battling and fighting and conquering, you know, we've, Jericho's fallen down, all this stuff. And there are seven tribes who have not taken possession of the land. They're just like still, it's like they, they, they're just wandering around a different desert. It's called the, like, I don't know, I don't know about this. You know, they've got the promised land, they're supposed to start setting up their tents, like make it your own, start farming, start, you get all, your land is here. You've done it. But they have to come together, and Joshua's first order of business as they set up the tabernacle is to have to look at seven tribes and say, um, how long is it going to take you to take possession? <laughs> like, that's just wild to me. The whole purpose of this. <laughs> you've, been given a, you've been given the promise that this land will become yours. And now you've 
fought. You've literally poured out your blood, sweat, and tears. You've seen people die alongside of you. And now the land is yours. But you haven't taken possession of it. (laughs) But you haven't started making it your own. Thank you so much. Isn't that mine? Mm-hmm. I know you want French fries. You guys tell what Moses' favorite food is? Um, so, yeah, again, I'm reading that and I'm just thinking, wow, that's crazy. That seven whole tribes of however many people were in those tribes, probably a lot, were just sitting there waiting. Uh, I don't know, are we supposed to build our house? Should we put our tents out? I don't know. I don't know what to do from here. Well, I mean, we've all been that person. I know I have. You, you got there and you're, we can ask my father, and he, you know, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, we've all gotten that at one point or another. But they're just like, oh, I don't know what we're supposed to do. And I just think, as I read that, I thought that we do that sometimes in our own lives. Again, I give sass to the Israelites, but I'm giving sass to myself because there are times that I, I know how to fight and I don't know how to start building once I've conquered the land. I know how to go after lies and all that stuff in my heart, but I don't know how to then start living in the land that belongs to me. So let's go back. We're going to go back to... You guys don't have to turn in your Bibles, but I'm going to go back to the Miracle Crossing because um, I read a few months ago in the Passion Translation um, this, they have their little notes at the bottom, and I read this, and it was just so wild and crazy to me, and it speaks so much to the, um, the fact of, I'm getting distracted by mom, sorry. It's just, that's me, four kids. I told you I'm going to be all over the place. Um, So just like the Israelites, they can't take possession of their land in the physical. We, as believers, have spiritual land that belongs to us. Our freedom belongs to us. Our, Our ability to walk in power that's, and, and live in the renewed mind of Christ. Those are all promises, just like the promised land, that we're supposed to live and work and operate in. And from the time we accept Jesus into our hearts to, you know, where, wherever you are along the journey, there, we have a similar journey that the Israelites had. And so what this um, translation and the... Um, the notes or the study Bible, whatever, the commentary, say that the, the river crossing that the Israelites took over the Jordan River is representative of our, when we accept Jesus and what Jesus did in the washing of our sins. So it says the ark is the center of the story. If you guys remember when they crossed the Jordan River, the ark had to go first. So the ark is the center of the story. Um, It's mentioned or alluded to 21 times in chapters 3 and 4. 
Um, the power of, or the ark is a wonderful picture of our Lord Jesus Christ. The power of Christ within us enables us to pass over into our full inheritance. Okay? So again, like Israelites, Jesus makes it so that we can step into our promised land, our full inheritance as sons and daughters of the king. Jesus, our forerunner, leads us in. The ark was a constant reminder that God is powerful, holy, and to be obeyed. The ark also symbolizes God's mercy, for it had a mercy seat as a lid or cover. Jesus is our mercy seat or atoning sacrifice. The next part that was crazy was the Jordan River, when it stopped, the water stopped, not just like right, you know, oh, we're walking and I can see where the river stopped. The, the water stopped all the way back to the town of Adam. And so what it represents is that when the water stopped and the ark passed through, that was in the Old Testament before Jesus was ever even spoken of, before a prophetic word had ever even been given of the Messiah, the ark crossed over and was a physical representation of the fact that when Jesus steps in, when Jesus is crucified and sheds his blood and crosses over for us, those sins are going to be washed away all the way to Adam. So, I mean, all the way back. Sometimes we worry about our own sins just to when I was born. I don't have to worry about that. It's all the way back to Adam. People, like generations I can't even count. And so that's what has happened in our lives. We've, we've been crucified with Christ. We've been washed. We've, been, we've given mercy. Everything is washed clean all the way back to Adam. And then we have to go into the land, just like the Israelites. We've got to go into the land. You have to take back the land, right? They had to walk in and fight for it. It wasn't just like they walked in and everybody dropped dead. And No, they had to walk in and they had to fight for the land that belonged to them. And it says this in the, again, the Passion Translation um, commentary. It says, the Canaanites and the Amorites were the largest and most powerful tribes inhabiting the land. Um, and then I'm going to skip forward because there were a whole bunch of tribes, okay? The Canaanites, Amorites, Girgashites, all these, you know, hubadubadubad, all that lights, okay? This, these seven tribes could also represent seven strongholds that must be conquered in the life of a believer. Because again, you guys see the parallel. They had to fight actual tribes. We have to walk into our promised land, and in order to get our full inheritance, we have to tear down strongholds that have taken root in our, in our hearts and in our minds. And so the seven that are mentioned here is, um, for example, the Hebrew word for Canaanites means those who traffic in materialism, merchants, or pirates. They represent the love of money. They represent, you know, oh, I like having the security and the financial security of money to pay my bills every single time. I don't like to have to worry about it. I do not want there to be room for God to move and intervene in my life. I just want it all taken care of, right? The Hebrew word for Hittites means those in broken pieces, terror or dread. They represent anger and violence. You know, I, I, lately, I feel like sometimes, I mean, I get hungry. I get the hangries. 
But there are also times, I mean, again, when, when Brian was gone, I had this moment where my 12-year-old and my 10-year-old are fighting over my two-year-old's cramps. And I literally, I had a moment of, ah! like, that's what I did. I couldn't, I couldn't express the words, and I stepped into anger in that moment, which means I have work to do. I've got a battle to fight there, okay? But, you know, anger, violence. The Hebrew word for Hivites means life born of effort or beastly life. They represent human effort or reliance upon self. I don't need anybody. I'll take care of it all by myself. I got it. Striving, self-reliance. Um, the Hebrew word for parasites means rustic, country dwellers, or backwoods. They represent a lack of vision and initiative. You know, just whatever. Life will happen. I don't really have to do anything because I, Jesus did everything. So I can basically just be a vegetable for the rest of my life. And, you know, I don't actually have to do anything. I wasn't put on this planet for a specific purpose or reason. That's everybody else's job. I, I don't have much to do or give. The Hebrew word for Girgashites means dense, condensed, condensed, marshy ground, and they represent ignorance or an unwillingness to learn. So the fools of the Proverbs. We all know. I've been one of these people. We all know these people. The I know everything, and you can't teach me anything. I've got it all. The knowledge is here. It's all there. You got nothing for me, because I got everything. We all know those people. I have been one of those people. Um, the Hebrew word for Amorites means those who live on high or summit dwellers. They represent um, pride and arrogance. Ooh, who's ever had pride operating in your life? Ooh, that one's the hardest for me to... You, know. <laughs> you got to... <laughs> Tear down the pride. Nope, can't operate in pride. You've got to operate in humility. The Hebrew word for Jebusites means trampled down underfoot. They represent fear and anxiety that cripple spiritual growth. One of the biggest things that I'm teaching my daughter is, and again, it's a lesson that I have to learn as well, because I let the fear of man stop me from doing things that I know Jesus asked me to do. I've let my anxiety of all the things that could go wrong limit how I live my life. Anybody else? Or is that, that's just me. I'm the only one? Okay, good to know. Um, so those are all examples. They went in and they had to get rid of all those tribes, right, that were inhabiting their land. We have all those strongholds that inhabit our hearts and our minds. The, you know, they took root while we were yet sinners. We came in, Jesus said, I'm washing you clean. Everything is taken care of by the blood of Jesus, but you still have to fight to get those out, right? You still have to start being transformed by the renewing of your mind, and that sometimes comes with a miracle. Woo! Anxiety's gone. Somebody prayed for me. I don't have anxiety anymore. That's awesome. I love that. I love when that happens. But then there's also times that you have to get in and you have to do the work. And sometimes you have to be like the Israelites walking around Jericho when God said, don't you say a word. You will walk around that seven times and you will not say a word because I know you grumblers. I just... <laughs> I love how patient God is, because he's like, I know y'all, OK? 
Okay, we were in the desert for 40 years because of your grumbling. So you guys are going to be quiet. And sometimes we have to do that. We have to, I, lately, I have had to really listen to when Jesus says, da, 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 because I didn't even notice what I'm speaking into the atmosphere, my grumbling, or I'm saying the opposite of what God has told me, because the opposite feels real and tangible. This is what I'm dealing with. This is what I'm going through. I, I'm, I'm experiencing this. And Jesus is like, da, 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 da. do you want the wall to come down? Or do you want to wander in the desert for another 40 years? Do you want this to always be your story? Or do you want this to be the miracle and the testimony? Which one do you want to talk about? You have to be willing to do the work. But then, and this is, again, Joshua 18. They've done the work. They've gone through. They've torn out. I know that we have all experienced victory. We've seen strongholds. We used to operate in anxiety. That used to be our first inclination. We used to be angry all the time, but now we don't see that as much in our life. We see victory. We see all that. And then, woohoo! <laughs> They're gone. Now what? Sometimes we don't know how to step out of the fight and into rest. Sometimes we don't know how to step out and put our weapons down and begin to build and operate and move in power in the area that we have victory in. Does that make sense to everybody? In my head it makes sense, but I want to make sure <laughs> that it makes sense to everybody. So my question is, are you, have you learned to take possession of your land? Have you learned to operate in your full inheritance? So we have full inheritances as sons and daughters. And Jesus said to us, you will do greater than I did. You will do greater things. And my, as scary as that seems to me, my heart is, if I am not doing greater things than Jesus here on earth, then I need to start taking possession of my land. I need to start recognizing and realizing where I need to start building, where I need to start learning how to operate and not just fighting. I don't need to fight anxiety and fear anymore. I've conquered it. I've uprooted it. I've dealt with the lies. I've done, the, you know, I've done all the things. But how do I operate in a way? If I'm not living in a way that fear is my second choice and that I'm not like, risk, woo! I'm not, I'm not, I haven't taken possession of that land yet. I have dealt with the stronghold of fear and anxiety. But it's still my first inclination. <clears throat> I was telling the students when we were talking about prophesying our year that foretelling or asking the Lord for something that's going to come and writing that down or even saying that over somebody is scary sometimes because those are the words that, that you can test them. You can come back and say, excuse me, you said that on this day, on this hour, that this was going to happen, and it did not. Oh, sorry. 
We get scared of that. And I was at a prophetic conference, and they said, and again, I'm a leader in KSSM. I do this to our students all the time, where I'm like, you've got two minutes. Go into a room and tell them this. You know, and I'm like, you're going to do great. I get into my own room where I'm the student, and they say, you're going to prophesy what's going to come for them in six months. Ask the Lord, what is God going to be doing in their life in six months? And I literally, I had Jet, and Jet was a baby, and I've told this story so many times, but I literally did one of the, uh, well, you know, I think he might need to be fed right now. I should probably, I should probably go check his diaper or something. I feel like I'm getting a phone call, like something... There might be an emergency at home for this one. Like, I'm literally, that's my first inclination. That's my, that's my, my first response. Is not, woo, Jesus. But I think I might have something else to do that day. And so if the, I have not taken possession of the land, if it has not become, you know, when you're at home, you're at peace. You are, that's your operating place. You are free. You can walk around, do whatever you want. This is your, your home. You're free. It's, it's wonderful. If you aren't operating in freedom wherever you are, then you're not home. You haven't taken possession of that land. And so I want to live in a way where when I get something like that and somebody says, you know, oh, prophesy over Woody his next six months, I can be like, awesome, and then just jump right into it instead of, you know, have to battle the fear first. That's how we see that start to, that's how we step out of the fight, and that's how we step out of the wandering. That's how we step out of that was my story and step into now I just want to be sharing testimonies. I feel like for so much of us, and this is me included, we get so good at the story. We get so good at the way back then. We get so good at the wandering and the excuses and oh, I have dealt with this and oh, the enemy and oh. We get so good at singing that song that Jesus is like, it's time to start singing a new song. I want to be singing the song of his praises. I want to be singing the song of his testimony where yes, this mattered, and yes, I did, we did a lot of work, Jesus and I, and Jesus did a lot back here. He did a lot for me back here. But I want this to be the story we're telling. I want the testimonies and what I'm seeing him continuing to do, I want that to be the song that I'm singing. Does that make sense? And so back in Joshua 18, as I wrap up, um, in verse Four. This is Joshua's asked them, How, what's, gonna, what's taking you so long? Why haven't you taken possession? Why, 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 why? Why are you standing here staring at me like you don't know what to do? And um, he says, Appoint for yourselves three men from each tribe, and I will send them out. They are to go and survey the land, write a description of it for the purpose of their inheritance, and return to me. And then we will divide it into seven portions. So, what I want to encourage you with today is to, when you go home or, you know, sometime this week when you find the time, is I would, it, it really makes a difference to write things out. When I, when I prophesied our year, I sat down and, and I told all the students and, and I wrote it down because I want to be able to go back 
and say, okay, this came to pass, this came to pass, this didn't. Okay, so Jesus, why should I continue to look for this? Write down and keep record. But also, there's something that happens when our pens hit the paper with our hands. And it just brings, there's like a connection. And I know there is a scientific reasoning. I do not have the research or the knowledge, but there is something. You can go research it for yourselves. Um, when you write something and how you remember it in your brain, there's a connection. God created us that awesomely. So when you write something, you'll remember it. I want to encourage everybody to take time this week to write down what will it look like? What does my land, my, what do I look like when I am living and operating in my full inheritance? When I'm living and operating with no fear, when miracles abound, when I pray for people and healing happens, what will, what will my life and my community look like when I am doing greater things than Jesus did? in his day. What does that look like? What does your promised land look like? What does your family look like? What do your children look like? What does your local grocery store look like? I mean, write it out. Have fun with Jesus. Without vision, people perish. And so, if we don't take the time to connect to God and get a vision for our lives and be able to see what does it look like, then how do we know where we're going? How do we know what steps to take? So I encourage you guys to do that. I did not go over time. I did so good. Um, I, just love, I just love everybody here. And I love our church, and I am so honored that I got to speak to you guys today, and um, I just pray a blessing over all of you. Jesus, we thank you. God, I just thank you so much. Um, just as I was praying, I was remembering an activation we did with KSSM where we listened to this song, and it was about the woman who um, poured her oil out. And at the end of the song, I just got this picture of us taking our hearts, and if our hearts and, and who we are is, was all that we had, and, and it was a perfume bottle, I just feel like this community and our church has done so well of being able to take that offering of each person taking who they are and just laying it out before the Lord and saying, this is all I have to give. And the beauty of the heart of God is that God has responded to us. He's responded to your offering. He's responded to your gift. And he has come and he has poured out his spirit on this land, he's poured out his spirit in your home. He has poured out this spirit within this community. And I just, we just thank you so much, Jesus, for the way that you move within us, God. We thank you for the power that you have filled us with. God, we thank you for the goodness that you are, that you are pouring out over each of us right now. God, we thank you for the miracles that we are going to continue to see. God, we thank you for the, I just feel like there is financial breakthrough that's coming for homes. 
yeah, there's, finan there's going to be financial miracles coming, but it's not even just going to be for you. Like if you're, if you're in a moment where I need a financial breakthrough, there's, it's also going to be like it's going to spread to the homes around you where you're going to notice your neighbors. Oh, so-and-so gave me this, so-and-so gave me that. Like it's going to be contagious. I just feel like there's contagious miracles beginning to spread out of the, out of the people coming out of this room. I just want to bless you with the miracle and the wonder of Jesus showing up in such tangible ways, God. I just bless this community with dreams and visions in the night, God, that they would begin to see you and feel you as they sleep, God, that, that um, they would feel your presence in their homes in such mighty and miraculous ways. God, we just thank you that like our, our offering said today, that our homes are places of healing, that it's almost like our homes operate as hospitals, and anybody who enters in receives healing just by walking through our doors. God, that your blood would cover each of our doorposts. God, that not only would we be hidden in your blood, like the Israelites were hidden, but that your blood would wash diseases, sickness, anxiety off of our bodies and off of all those who enter our homes that we would see miracles, signs and wonders that lead us into your heart, God. And again, I thank you so much for the mothers and fathers in this room. I thank you for the way that you have activated us today and the way that you have taught us how to father, you've taught us how to mother. God, that you have, you have equipped us with everything that we need. We love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.